So, okay. Uh, so in verse 8, Paul tells his readers not to be greedy or immoral. But up until this point, so up until this point, as Mark was talking about, the primary motivation for resisting sin is uh, the warning of future judgment. Um, and in verse 8, uh, while this is a legitimate reason for avoiding sin, in verse 8, Paul introduces a new reason for why we should avoid indulging our fleshly impulses. He says, therefore, do not be partakers with them, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Darkness can refer to different things in Scripture, different aspects of evil or unbelief, but here it talks about uh, our condition before we were saved. Uh, we were blind to spiritual truth about God and about ourselves. On the one hand, we, uh, we, um, we liked understanding of God and the value of his righteousness, and at the same time, we could not see the offensiveness of our own sin. Uh, this defined our existence, and it's what Paul said his readers were. But God's mission is to rescue us from this condition. He, because he contains perfect wisdom and glory and truth, he, he is described as light. God is light. And in him is there, there is no darkness at all, 1 John 1, 5. So God, light does not only describe God's nature, it also describes his powerful presence in our lives. In salvation, our hearts are illuminated with God's truth. Suddenly we see God's holiness and the seriousness of our sin. We see that what he has said about reality is what matters above everything else. This fundamentally transforms our identity. God has replaced the darkness of spiritual indifference and ignorance with the light of a right understanding of who he is and how we can relate to him through Christ. For God, who commanded light to shine in darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. This second says Second Corinthians. <laughs> he lets his children see reality from his perspective. So Paul does not say, notice that Paul does not say that Christians are in the light. He says that they are light. Okay, light refers in scripture to God's glory and God's truth and God's saving activity. So it makes sense that we would be called light itself because we reflect God's glory. We know his truth and we are the objects of his salvation. We've been brought near to Christ. We've been brought near to God through the blood of Christ. And so we are light in the Lord. Um, so being a child of light, we've seen here, includes uh, having a knowledge of God's truth and an ability to discern what honors him. Um, so Paul goes on in verse 8. He commands his readers to proclaim this truth with their actions. Okay, Actively trust in what you know to be true. Uh, he says, walk as children of the light, for the, fruit of life for the fruit of light consists in all that is good and right and true. We, we have to keep in mind that the whole theme of this chapter is how to imitate God. The three basic aspects of God's character that we are called to imitate are his goodness, his righteousness, and his truth. There is a life for those who have been made new by the light of God's salvation. Um, this life consists in honoring God with our whole existence. We, we honor God by imitating him, which is the reason we were saved. All those who he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. 
Romans 8, 29. There you have it. The call to walk as children of light, Paul says, is a call to holy living. Paul says that, that this holiness, this is key, is motivated by a desire to please God above all else. Look at verse 10 again. It says, try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Okay, this is a profound statement. This is a great deal about how we ought to think about life. Um, when you face a decision, do we ask, when we face a decision, do we ask, is this pleasing to the Lord? This, our best, our answer to this question, based on our knowledge, our knowledge of Scripture, has got to be the controlling factor. Uh, uh, when the great preacher Martin Lloyd-Jones commented on this passage, he asked the question, why are we interested in doing what is right? If we could give one reason, why are we committed to righteousness, truth, and goodness? And is it just because they seem like decent principles to live by or that will make us well thought of by others or personally at peace with ourselves? Uh, the Christian, he writes, quote, is interested in them because he knows they constitute the will of the Lord. He goes on to say, it is the Lord who interests him and because the Lord is characterized by these things and is anxious that his people should be also, the Christian is interested in them. Christian life is defined by a commitment to the will of God. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that, you by, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Our mindset should be, what will the Lord appreciate most? He owns us. We live in the light of his truth. He alone is our judge and our master, and if we honor him, nothing else matters. Um. Paul uh, stresses that the desire to please God should be our motive for holiness. And being more like him, we imitate him. So to be, be more like him, we imitate him in the context of personal fellowship with him as children of light. Um, so we need to cultivate this relationship with the one we are seeking to imitate. We need to commune with Jesus through scripture intake and worship. There is nothing that will help us embrace our identity as reflectors of God's glory like spending time in his presence. Since he is the exact image of God, he is the light of the world. Um, these themes just connect. Different Jesus will say something, and then Paul says something, and we're like, oh, Christ is the light of the world. We need to be like him. Um, and we need to recognize that every circumstance in our life is an opportunity to grow in conformity to the likeness of Jesus. Um, they just come. They come barreling at us, opportunities. And so we need, to, we need to stop and recognize them and act accordingly and pray before we enter into a situation, God, please help me to imitate Christ in this situation. Because um, we can be sure that sometimes what we want to do will be the most, a lot of times, will be the opposite of what will reflect the image of Christ. So we need help. Um, so Christ has, Paul has established here that we reflect God's glory by imitating his character with our actions, right? Now, part of imitating God requires that we tell the truth about sin. It's very clear in this passage. Um, <clears throat> the world needs to become better acquainted with the holiness of God and the seriousness of sin. If they understand these two things, 
they will understand why the cross of Christ is necessary. God paid the penalty for our moral guilt. And that's why we can be reconciled to him. So he says here, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them, for it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. So telling the truth about sin is hard and awkward, but it is what children of light do. They shine the light of God's truth upon sin. Um, the issues that Paul has in mind here, specifically, as we saw, Mark talked about our greed and sexual immorality. Those are certainly things we see today. Um, and uh, and for, we are called to shine the light of God's truth on it, and no matter what the sin is. And that's what, these are the ones Paul is focusing on here, for sure. Um, and telling the truth about sin is important for just a couple reasons. Um, it's part of the church's prophetic role. What I mean by this is that we've been entrusted with the word of God, and so we have a responsibility to, to speak for God in the world. Um, to say, thus saith the Lord. Because if we don't say it, nobody else is going to say it. The Old Testament prophets um, were often given a message from God that included confronting sin. Um, and while we live in a different situation, the response, we still have a responsibility to testify to what God has said and to call people to repentance. Um, so this is part of the full gospel, is what where Paul's going with this. It's it's so that people are transformed from darkness into light themselves. So um, Christians individually and the church as a whole has been entrusted with this responsibility to speak for God in the world. Um, second reason why um, telling the truth about sin is important is because it leads to confession and repentance. Jesus himself said that the one that one of the main reasons that humans refuse to believe in him is because they did not want their sin to be exposed for what it is. Jesus said, and this is the judgment, this is John 3, 19, the darkness, the, 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 the light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. We're not, none of us are particularly uh, keen on having the hidden things of our heart being exposed. Um, However, exposing sin through explaining what God has said about it is what causes conviction by the Holy Spirit and repentance. Um, if we say that we have no sin, John says, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. The truth and light are, are so tied together in Scripture. Um, but if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Uh, as we'll see wrapping up here, exposing sin is so important to, in Scripture because it is a critical part of the preaching of the gospel. Um, but more on that in just a minute here. He says one more thing. He says, uh, Paul says that while it is important to tell the truth about sin, it is not edifying to fixate over sin in our conversation. Don't sensationalize sin. Don't justify sin. Don't... Uh, yeah, that's, that's what he says here. He says, I mean, the, we reminded of Philippians where Paul says, whatever is true, whatever is right, whatever is honorable, think on those things. Now, it is certainly necessary 
when we're discussing a sin with someone to be frank. There's sometimes a fair amount of frankness that is absolutely necessary. Um, but even here, the focus should be on what God has said about it rather than exploring the darkness of our own hearts because that's a really dark trail. Um, the, the, um, the bottom line is that we should not fixate on things that dishonor God, is what Paul is saying, um, especially in a flippant or a jokesy way. Uh, discussing sin with, with fascination or humor is the opposite of exposing its ugliness. Um, we can, uh, we just, we need to, instead we need to describe how it dishonors God and how it doesn't satisfy. It doesn't produce anything of value. Um, so, think, I mean, think about how our society exposes, quote, exposes sin. You know, I mean, magazines are constantly reporting awful things about rich and famous people, but they're not doing it because uh, they are they understand its offensiveness. They're doing it because they're fascinated with it. And so that should not be true of people who are walking in the light. Um, we must be careful that we don't expose sin in the way that the world exposes it, not thereby not really exposing it all, exposing it at all by calling people to repentance. The point is um, that we need to point people, we need to, we need to point them to something else. That's, we need to point them to the light of Christ and to a life of, of meaning, infinite meaning. So this brings us to the conclusion, of, of the, the culmination of the passage. Um, and that is that the purpose of exposing sin and walking as children of light and reflecting the glory of God is, is, is um, that the person who is still in darkness will be saved by the power of Christ. And we can participate in, this, in God's mission of, 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 trans, of transferring light into darkness. He says, because um, Paul began his section by telling his readers that they were once darkness, but now are light in the Lord. So he comes full circle and says that God allows us now to participate in his mission of turning darkness into light. But when anything is exposed by the light, it reads, it becomes visible, for anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. So Paul says that anything that becomes visible is light. Now what is he referring to? Because if he's still referring to sinful behavior, I, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Because um, how can sinful behavior become light? It could certainly be brought to light. It could be brought to light. But, but, but it could not be transformed into light itself, or it wouldn't be sin. So uh, the solution to this problem is that Paul has switched in verse 13 from talking about behavior to talking about individuals. So while sin itself cannot become righteousness, people who are in darkness can become light. Uh, this is the truth that he began with when he said that his readers were in darkness and now are, are light. This defines their existence. Um, and uh, So... When, it, when the passage says that anything that becomes light, vi when anything that becomes visible is light, 
He's saying that those who believe in the gospel experience this same transformation. When we share the gospel with people, when we, are, when, when we, we share how God has the solution to our deepest problems, um, they are brought into the light of God's powerful presence. And, 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 and that is what transforms hearts. So the, Paul hasn't so much changed the subject as much as he has simply expanded his focus as he gets to the end of this section, expanded his focus to show how exposing sin is part, one part of preaching the full gospel. Uh, the fact that Paul has made this transition to talking about individuals in verse 13 is clear in verse 14. Uh, he says, therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, for, and Christ will shine on you. So the power at work in us to tell the truth about reality is, is actually Christ working in us, and Christ himself working, who is the light of the world, who is the one hope for the world. This is Christ's mission, to raise us from our spiritual stupor and to shine his light upon our hearts opening our eyes to see his beauty and, and, this, this, and our need, our, our desperate need for him. So, and this, the, this passage is talking about, at, by the time we get to the end, it's talking about conversion through the power of Christ. And we get to participate in it by doing the things that, we've just, that Paul commands throughout the past, through verse 7, verse 7 to 14. Um, So, reflecting God's character is, this is, this is, reflecting God's character in our conduct allows us to testify to our identity in the gospel in God, and it allows us to participate in God's saving mission of turning darkness to light. This is a, a, this, this life confession actively trusting in what we know to be true about what God has said about the world, and valuing what he has said about, about, about reality, above everything else. This life confession is, uh, is used by Christ to transform darkness into light. Um, so I just, I just want to urge us and say that, uh, remind us of the words of Christ. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you. Every moment in life is an opportunity to, to walk in the light. Help us to, to reflect your glory more by imitating your goodness, your righteousness, and your truth. Please give us boldness to, to tell the truth about sin and to um, lovingly point people to the true light. 
For in Christ, is, he is the light of life. Thank you for your, for your kindness to us in Jesus Christ. In his name we pray, amen.